Welcome to Tales for Our Times. I am your host, Dougie Mackay, professional storyteller based here in the mystical heartlands of Scotland. In this podcast, we will explore the role of folk culture, myths, legends and storytelling in the creation of a better world. As well as sharing my favourite tales for telling, I'll be interviewing some of the finest storytellers, changemakers, rebels and poets, inspiring people bringing their creative gifts to respond to the complexities and turbulence of these times. How can storytelling support the great turning as we shift from a culture focused only on growth and consumption to one that is regenerative, creative and supportive of life on this planet? Grab yourselves a broom, throw another peat on the imaginal hearth fire and watch the flames dance as we dream a better world into being. All of it starting once upon a time. Greetings and welcome to the show. This is a summer edition episode. I'm recording this in early June in the south of Scotland, and we have had sun for what seems like a remarkably long time. It does happen in Scotland, and the weather has been glorious. Easily sunny enough for me to get sunburned, which doesn't take too long, but also really nice and ideal weather for swimming in the river. So I'm still getting used to living in the south of Scotland and one of the perks of being here is I live right beside the River Tweed. So yesterday I went, I'd kind of seen a spot where the the teenagers like to swim and I was like, ah, they found the good spot, a place where you can jump off the edge and the water's really deep. So I went there before the end of school, so I thought I'd dodge the teenagers and had a really sweet swim in the river, really kind of helping me connect to the place, I think, getting into the water here and shaking off any, yeah, shaking off some of the, the tension of the modern world that sometimes creeps onto me. And I thought, okay, I'll record an episode down here from the banks of the river and we'll get the sounds of the birds, we'll get the sounds of the waves and the water rolling over the rocks. But alas, I forgot to take the batteries for my Zoom recorder. So I'm recording it the next day. And yeah, so we don't sadly have the sound effects, but hopefully the content will still be, still be rich and engaging and entertaining. There's something really fascinating about this time of year, and I should get used to it, we should get used to it, it's the same every year, but there still feels something quite startling. And in June, it feels like summer has just suddenly burst forth. It felt like summer was coming, summer was coming, summer was coming, then boom. Everything is green, everything is overgrown. The sun seems like it never sets. I was coming home last night after nine o'clock. The sun is still up in the sky. (laughs) Like the dawn chorus, the birds are up sometime around four. It's kind of a crazy time. And I know there's parts of the world like Iceland or northern Scandinavia where it's more extreme than this, but there's 
um, yeah, a real curiosity to there being this much daylight, this much sunlight. And it is the time of year when things get busy in Scotland. Not so much happens in the winter months. We're kind of huddled up, surviving by the fire in our homes, gathering for Kayleys if we're lucky. But there's something of a survival state that kicks in through the winter. People don't dare organise outdoor events before May and probably after September. So this summer period is when everyone really jams in (laughs) everything they want to do for the year. And as a result of that, I've been to festivals these last two weekends. At the end of May there, I was at one of my favourite festivals in Scotland, in the southwest. It's called Nokengorach, World Cayley. And it's, it's a sweet festival. It's pretty rustic. It's pretty low-key, but always has really high-quality music a mix of Celtic stuff and world music and, yeah, dance, drum and bass, that sort of thing. So found myself bouncing between the kind of dance tent and the longhouse. They've got this reconstructed ancient longhouse where they do all the kind of folky and the trad sessions. And had some really lush times just sitting in there, letting the, the sounds wash over me. So that was last weekend. There wasn't much sleeping happening. Took a few days to recover. And then this more recent weekend, I was up at a really nice family festival. I think the only children-orientated festival in Scotland called Wildhood. And I've been going there for many years. I'm their kind of regular, or one of their regular storytellers. It's up at a place called Tullybolly, there's a castle, there's a maze, which is dedicated to the witches that were persecuted in that area a few centuries ago. And they've got this amazing storytelling tree. I think it's like some kind of old um, cypress, but it's got really gnarly branches which become the seats that the kids sit on and clamber up into. And There's a shelter that's provided from the sun. There's a bit of protection. It feels like we've got our own little zone in there and they always decorate it really nicely. So I was back there this year. Um, But yeah, one thing that I noticed this year more so than others was the peacocks. And they've got all these peacocks. I don't know how many, maybe like 20, 30. It seems like there's loads. And they're always kicking off. And... They make a ridiculously loud noise for a bird of that size. And this time I was camped closer to the castle where there is a higher concentration of peacocks and with the sun rising or with it getting bright around 4, 4.30, that's when the peacocks decide to kick off. So again, there wasn't much sleeping, not because I was out dancing, not because I was out listening to folk tunes in some rustic old longhouse or sitting by a fire telling tales, but because the peacocks were cawing all through the night. But it was a lot of fun in its own way. And so I'm back here in the borders and I thought I'd record a session 
to celebrate these long, sunny days, these long nights. And I thought, because I was going to record at the river, and because I'm just back from Wildhood Festival, where I've been many times and felt that I should refresh my story repertoire, I thought I'd tell a new story that I told there this weekend, and one that, although it's definitely not a local tale, it does have a river featuring in it. This is the story of the monkey's heart. A long time ago, before my time and your time, in a time before time, there was a time. And in this time, there was a monkey. A monkey lived in the most incredible of homes. Monkey lived in a great old mango tree. He would rest, he would sleep in its wide branches, and when the sun rose, when he woke up in the morning, he would yawn, he would stretch, he would reach up and pluck one of those ripe, juicy mangoes. Feverishly, he would peel it, he would bite the soft fruit, he would suck the fresh flesh, he would lick the juices off his fingers, and what a breakfast for a monkey! Day after day, this is what he would eat. And there were so many mangoes. He had more than enough, and he would share them with the other animals that would come by. Elephant would stop, and he would pass one down, and elephant would scoop one with her trunk into her mouth, and they would catch up on the news of the savannah of the rainforest. Even lion, he would toss down mangoes too. Gazelle, zebra, snake, they would all come and share mangoes, and if anyone who was anyone would come and eat fruit from the monkey's tree. Monkey was so generous, there was enough for everyone. Well, one day many animals had gathered. They were sharing mangoes, they were sharing news, they were sharing stories. And one of them, the keenest of eye, noticed a movement in the river. Something that looked like a log. But then they noticed the log had two eyes and the log had a long tail and the log had wide jaws. It was Crocodile. And Crocodile, from his place in the river, was curious about this gathering of animals all around this tree. There were all kinds of animals of all shapes and sizes. And so curious was Crocodile that he fixed his eyes upon the gathered crowd and Monkey from the top of the tree called out, Crocodile, open your mouth. And Crocodile opened those wide jaws, revealing rows of sharp teeth. And Monkey plucked a mango, threw it into the air, it looped through the air and landed, whomp, there in Crocodile's mouth. And Crocodile, Crocodile had never tasted anything so juicy, anything so sweet anything so succulent, and he ate down that mango. Can I have another? A monkey, of course, threw another. And by and by the rest of the animals left, and Crocodile was still there, munching on mangoes and sharing stories with Monkey. And Crocodile enjoyed those mangoes so much that the next day he went back to that same part of the river, rested in the water underneath the mango tree, and shared food 
and shared stories with Monkey. And so the days passed, and the days turned into weeks. Each day they would share stories. Crocodile would tell Monkey how the river flowed and how it changed as it went down and met the ocean, how the fresh water became salt, how the fish and the creatures of the river changed. A monkey told Crocodile tales of the treetops, relayed the songs of the birds and the different wonders that he had discovered in the forest. And in this way, sharing food and stories, Crocodile and Monkey became best of friends. Now, there came a time where Crocodile revealed that he didn't live alone. He lived further down the river with a whole tribe of crocodiles. And they had a great chief, a great leader who was very old, very wise, very brave. A monkey said, you should have told me. Let me give you a gift. And monkey wove a simple basket. He wove a simple basket and in those basket placed mangoes and lowered them down and placed them, balanced them on Crocodile's back, on Crocodile's bumpy back. And Crocodile was delighted. He thanked Monkey and without wasting any time turned and floated down the river. He went down river, keeping his balance, making sure not to drop anything from his back and brought this gift from Monkey back to his chief. And the chief was delighted. He enjoyed the mangoes too. And there were more parcels from Monkey and more mangoes. And the chief got used to this taste of mango. But after some time had passed, the chief began to think, wait a minute, I love the taste of mangoes. And I love the taste of monkeys. I wonder what a monkey who lives off mangoes would taste like. And the more he thought about it, the more he could think of nothing else. How can I feast upon that monkey? Well, the chief of the crocodiles knew that crocodile and monkey were great friends. It would not be easy to persuade crocodile to bring monkey to him. But surely there was something. And this crocodile was very old, very wise, very cunning, and he hatched a plan. The chief of the crocodiles lay by the river, and he closed his eyes, and he groaned, and he moaned, and he twisted, and he turned, and he caused such a fuss that crocodile couldn't help but notice, and crocodile came across to ask his chief, what is wrong, O chief? What is the matter with you? And the chief said, I am sick. I am ill, I am dying. Dying, said Crocodile, this is terrible news, surely. There must be something that can be done. Have you spoken to a doctor? Have you spoken to a healer? There surely is some kind of cure. What is wrong with you? Yes, we've had the doctors. Yes, we've had the healer, said the chief, but there is only one thing that will make me better, and it will be impossible to find it. No, I think... My time has come. I will die and our tribe will be without a chief. Now this was shocking news to the crocodile. The chief was old, he was wise, he was brave. Crocodile said, tell me what is the one thing that can make you better? Maybe I can find it. It is impossible, said the chief, for the one thing that will make me better, that will cure me, that will make me well enough to lead 
our crocodile tribe for many years to come, is the heart of a monkey. The heart of a monkey, thought Crocodile. And instantly his thoughts flashed to his friend. And he thought about his chief. And he thought about his friend Monkey. And he thought about the chief. And he thought about how much he loved Monkey's company. And how they'd built trust. And how they'd become great friends. But then thought about his chief. And the well-being of his tribe. How they all depended on the chief. And how old and wise he was. And what would happen if the chief died. There would be all kinds of fighting and squabbling over who should lead the rest of the tribe. And eventually, Crocodile made up his mind. And in a sombre mood, he made his way back up the river. And eventually that great mango tree came into view and it wasn't long before his friend Monkey was calling out, Crocodile, Crocodile, welcome. Would you like a mango? And Crocodile called back and said, Monkey, You have been very kind. Monkey, you have shared the gifts of your tree with us for long enough. My chief would like to provide a feast for you. Come, come and meet my people. We will prepare food for you and return the favour that you have shown us. A monkey was so excited for he was always sharing mangoes with everyone, but seldom did he get invited to a feast somewhere else. And so in an instant, Monkey clambered down the tree, he bounded to the edge of the river, he leapt onto Crocodile's back, and Crocodile began floating out into the middle of the river. And Crocodile began floating downstream, swimming downstream towards the place where the rest of the crocodiles lived. A monkey was there and trying to start conversation, talking about the usual things, asking Crocodile of his news, but... Crocodile was strangely silent. Crocodile was preoccupied. Crocodile was acting strange. And Crocodile began to sink lower in the water, thinking maybe it was kinder to drown Monkey there and then. Now Monkey got concerned. I'm getting wet, Crocodile. What's happening? You're acting very strange. What is the meaning of this? He knew something was wrong. And Crocodile eventually admitted I cannot hide it from you, my friend. I have terrible news to bring, that my chief is sick. He is very sick and he will die. The only thing that will make him better is a monkey's heart. And so I bring you as a sacrifice to my chief so my chief can live for many years yet. And at hearing this news, the truth of the plan, monkey's heart nearly stopped. What betrayal! What scandal! But Monkey was quick, Monkey was sharp, and in an instant he said, My friend, Crocodile, you should have told me I would gladly give my heart to save your chief. If you had told me, I would have taken it with me. What do you mean? said Crocodile. Well, I don't take my heart everywhere. I leave it where it's safe, back in the mango tree. But if you take me there right now, I will go and get it. We can bring it to your chief and he will be well again. And without thinking twice, Crocodile made a U-turn, turned around in the river, went back up against the current. And the mango tree came into view and Crocodile carried on swimming. And Crocodile floated up to the side of the bank. And as soon as he was within leaping distance, Monkey jumped off Crocodile's back. 
and scampered up the side of the river and scrambled up the tree until he was high into the mango tree and turned round and pelted Crocodile with mangoes. As hard as he could, he pelted Crocodile and, ow, ow, what's happening, monkey? You stupid Crocodile, said monkey. After all I have done for you, you thought I would give my heart to save your chief. This is how you pay me. You will never taste so much as another mango, let alone my heart, for our friendship is over. And foolishly and sadly, Crocodile had to make his way back down river without the monkey's heart for his chief. And he got back to his own people, he got back to his tribe, and the chief made a miraculous recovery, monkey's heart or not. But sadly, although the chief lived for some time yet, and Crocodile for even longer, his friendship with monkey was over. And as far as I know, in that part of the world, monkeys and crocodiles are enemies even till this day. So that's quite a a simple, fun story. It's not a profound one that we're going to pull apart or explore or think about in any great depth, but I do really like it. And it's a new one. I only told that for the first time at the weekend there. And it was really fun. That kind of like mild peril that of the crocodile eating the monkey's heart. And as as I was telling it, there was this little boy who, bless him, ran off to sit with his mum. And I had to say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. They don't actually eat the monkey's heart. So that's my river tale for today. Not a local one. Thankfully, don't have any crocodiles in the River Tweed. But that's quite a fun playful story that I'm sure if you're listening, you could pick up and go and try telling yourself. Maybe on one of these long summer nights, you might invite some friends round, make a fire, invite everyone to bring a story, a song, a poem, who knows, and you could tell the monkey's heart. In future weeks, we will certainly explore some deeper, darker, gnarlier old folk tales. But I seem to be quite happy just having the kind of some of these lighter, almost children, children-friendly folk tales in season one. But we will get to the, the meteor stuff as things progress. But I'd be really interested to hear, do you have other favourite river tales? I would like to expand my collection. I've got a few more that we'll share in different weeks. But yeah, if you've got a river tale, you can recommend, leave a comment, send us a message. Or what was your favourite thing about the monkey's heart? Did you enjoy it? What did you like? I'd love to hear some feedback. So good to record this. I am going to be off and about quite a lot over the next few weeks and months. At the end of this month, I go to Norway. I'm going away to be the resident storyteller at the Lithica gathering. And I'll probably do an episode on that another time, because 
this Lithica project is really interesting. I think it's a rewilding program. They're seeking to raise money to buy a bit of land in Europe and practice Stone Age Lithic skills on that bit of land and rewild the landscape and rewild people. So I'm really excited to go and be a part of that. It's with a teacher called Lynx Vilden, who's an amazing, yeah, really the real deal in terms of primitive skills. She's got an, a book and an audiobook out there called The Return, which I recommend if you're curious. But yeah, so that's what I'm going to be up to at the end of June. July, I'm going to be away on the island of Egg, off the west of Scotland, running a, a teen camp for teenagers. We'll be out there for five days. And then, yeah, a few more festivals in July before doing a show, my Animate Land show at the Fringe Festival in August in Edinburgh. Which should be, yeah, should be a lot of fun. We're just doing five days. It's a short run, but really nice to revisit this this show that I presented last year at the Scottish International Storytelling Festival. In that one, we play with some of the old Fianna tales, the, the old Celtic myths. And doing it with live music is a real treat. So probably at some stage, I'll do a show on animate lands as well with some of these Fianna tales. So this is a nice, light-hearted story for the middle of summer. I'm wishing you many sunny, light, outdoor blessings, much abundance through this brighter part of the year. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a review, maybe share it. Um, if you want to support my trip to Lithica, you can check out my Kofi page, buy me a cup of coffee or a dram. That would be greatly appreciated. It all helps these projects. And yeah, I'm really curious to hear if you're enjoying the show, if you've got stories or topics you'd like to hear me cover, leave a comment, send us a message and we'll catch you sometime soon. Mm-hmm.